Helping Hand podcast. My name's Pauline Shannon. I'm a mother of three and a reflex integration therapist. Each week I will be meeting someone who helps children and families. I will be asking them what they do and how they do it. We will learn how different therapies can help, how to choose which is right for you and how to find them when you need them. Hello, today I'm talking to Sue Bidmead. Sue is a specialist counsellor and therapist working with children and young people under 25. She's based in Powys but also offers sessions online. Hi Sue, thanks for coming to talk to me on the podcast. Hi Pauline, (laughs) thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome, I'm very keen to hear about the services you offer. Would you like to tell us all the different support that you offer children and young people? Okay, well, probably um, best to say start off really to say that I am I am person centered. I am a person centered therapist, so that's my initial training, and that's what I stick to. So really, I am led by my clients and their needs. Um, but I'm also uh, my initial training in therapy was actually as a solution focused practitioner. Um, And that doesn't mean solution forced. So (laughs) I'm not forcing my clients in towards solutions, but it does mean, I think, that I can offer them whatever it is that they need. So I'm not bound by a particular approach or therapy, except to say that it is all client-centered or person-centered. It is all trauma-informed and attachment-informed. And it is always solution-focused in that I am working towards whatever works with the client. So basically, if it doesn't work, I chuck it out. If if it works, I do more of it. And that's that's sort of my basic tenet, really, just finding what works. And so, so that brings in all my training and experience uh, over many years that I can bring those sort of tools out of my toolbox, really. What age do you work with primarily, Sue? Well, I work with anyone under 25. I particularly love teenagers, which is quite an advantage because um, lots of people don't like teenagers very much, I've found. Uh, but I really enjoy working with with teenagers just because of the energy that they have and the the diversity really. Um, and I'm always absolutely astonished that teenagers want to work with me. I find it extraordinary because I'm quite old. <laughs> but it it doesn't seem to matter, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think it helps to really like them. So when I hear counselling, I wonder, I think of a talking therapy. What kind of approaches do you use with the young people? Well, I have just said that I, my, probably my favourite work is with teenagers and adolescents. But I also work with children, younger children. Um, and I, I enjoy being with kids. I mean, basically, you know, I like working with children so I don't work with under fives uh, but I do work with the the primary sort of age group and that's mostly in my private practice and that has 
I found being slightly limited in some ways by being online, because as you say, counselling tends to be a talking therapy, but I'll come back to that. Um, and children don't necessarily aren't able to express themselves online in the way that they would in a face to face session. So I would be using creative, uh, eco, psycho, educational um, approaches with younger children. Um, I'm particularly interested in ecotherapy, but we might come back to that, perhaps. Um, so yeah, that it, I am. I am a talking therapist, but I also am aware that children and young people haven't necessarily got those skills to be able to express themselves through words. So I may use other expressive ways of engaging with those young people and children. What's ecotherapy? You've mentioned that. Uh, well, that sort of goes back to... So my first degree, my original degree, and I have I have four grown-up children, um, and when they were grown up enough, I went back to university and I did a degree in environmental education. So I started my working, my proper working life quite late in life as my children were growing up. Um, and I worked in environmental education. Um, and from that, um, I have developed and realized, understand the importance of the environment uh, in terms of its healing powers with everyone. Uh, so I'm really aware of optimizing the use of the environment as a healing partner, if you like. So that might be walk and talk, that might be working with children in my garden or you know, wherever, but outside if possible. And that obviously has been severely hampered during the, during the COVID crisis. But I, there, you know, that I am, for the first time last week, actually, I met with a client in the garden. So that was brilliant to be face-to-face -face working again. Um, yeah, and I'm particularly aware that that hasn't been available uh, to, to young people uh, for a long time so hope to get back to that as quickly as possible really so yeah that was that was my first sort of introduction into into nature and it's been a, a learning process for me and a developing process for me at working in the environment in nature and um, you know maybe we'll come back to that too what's what happens when people first get in touch with you how do you decide what kind of programme to do? How does a programme develop? How long would you see somebody? Okay. Uh, well, in terms of my uh, employed life as a therapist, I've worked in um, College of Further Education, so in tertiary education for quite a long time. Um, and as in most places of employment, counselling is often time limited. So I would, and that's where my training, I think, in solution-focused work has been particularly helpful because I think it has allowed me to do that work on engagement pretty quickly with, with young people. I think it really helps in terms of engaging. Um, and to go sort of 
to expand on that a little bit, a lot of agencies working with young people, if they don't engage, they're out. Yeah. And I feel a lot of young people uh, are really disadvantaged by that because in my view, if children and young people aren't engaging, then that is really the fault of the therapist rather than the fault of the young person. So I, ha- I really work very hard to engage young people initially um, so that they, they can benefit from, from my practice and, and from counselling. And I, yeah, so, so going back to how long I would work with people in, a, in an employed setting, it may be time limited, but I hope I would be able to, using my skills, do that best that I can. And that might be a sticking plaster, um, sort of applied to a problem, but at least it will help for a while. Often I can get extensions for those young people so we can work on a longer term basis. And um, but in my private practice, I find that working long term with young people has been of massive benefit. So I have had clients that have I've been working with sometimes for a couple of years, um, on and off, but having that open-ended, um, open-ended sort of uh, relationship really, so that people can go, come back to me when they need to, I think is is very beneficial. Uh, so that therapeutic relationship is really important and gaining that pretty quickly is very important for me. Harder to do online, but amazingly effective. Actually, incredibly effective. And so I've, I've learned so much over the past year and a bit um, since we've all been working online. Um, Although I was trained in, I have been trained in, in online practice and telephone practice, I never actually, I never actually believed it would really work very well. And so being forced into it has been a real eye-opener for me. Amazing. And particularly um, young people not perhaps wanting to work on Zoom, but working um, through, say, the chat button on, on Teams. Um, or using Zoom without video and using a chat function has has really been powerful, incredibly powerful. So there we go. A lot of learning taking place this year. And a lot more therapies available to a lot more people because we can do it this way. You've touched on this a little bit, but um, when should we come to you? What behaviours, concerns might we see as parents which should make us think to get in touch with you? Any change, basically. I think any change in behaviour and parents, you know, would know best. (laughs) Um, If they notice a change, then I think that's the time to sort of get your antennae up a little bit and wonder what this is about. And getting in as early as possible with that change so refer, get, getting that child into therapy, coming to me, just have a chat about it as early as we can, often shortens the intervention quite a lot. So not waiting till it's too entrenched and recognising, learning to recognise change. Check that out with your young person first, um, but really, really listen. And it may be 
that having the opportunity to talk to someone outside of the family, someone who isn't critical, judgmental, um, is, is going to be a good listener, <laughs> would be the, the way to go. So that's what I would say. Any, any sort of change. Diagnosis. Um, if your child has a diagnosis, so or if you're on the verge of a diagnosis with that child, that might be a point at which you would like some intervention. So maybe boosting self-esteem at that point would be quite important. Maybe acknowledging the difficulties of the diagnosis would be quite important at that point. So any diagnosis. And this, in my experience, um, girls are very hard, much harder to diagnose than boys in terms of say ADHD, very underdiagnosed in girls um, and autism. Um, so those are the obvious ones, but often underdiagnosed in girls and often, I've, you know, I've recognized this in counseling. If a diagnosis is useful, then we would go on to that. And if it's not useful, then we wouldn't. But that is, you know, it's quite an important um, area of my work. Um, so in particularly any low mood, um, acting out, so being aggressive, that's, you know, that's a sort of signifier that something's going wrong a little bit. Or acting in, so depressed, low mood, um, that's, that's, that's what I'd be looking out for. But what I haven't given you, perhaps, is um, my background. I don't know whether you want to do that because I've done a little bit on it but I sort of only started with the environmental education. I would love to hear about how you got into counselling but just before we go on to that yeah. in the chat beforehand we were talking about um, young people between 18 and 25. Do you just want to touch on that briefly yeah. and then let me know how you got Absolutely. into it? Absolutely yeah okay so um, working with I think it's particularly important that um, my work with 18 to 25 year olds, because that's often an area that's um, under uh, underdeveloped, or it's that it within that age range, it's much. I, I found in my experience more difficult for those people, those young people, to get access to um, counselling, and. So they're not with CAMS anymore, for instance. Um, they might then move into adult mental health services. And it may be that they're not actually ready for that. So there may be an interim period um, that, that would be particularly helpful for them to access some counselling. Um, yeah, so that, that age range, I feel, is very underrepresented re represented in, in our counselling rooms or wherever we're working. It's definitely a transition stage, isn't it? The schools are letting go and they're not yet transitions fully into adulthood. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah. Sue, how did you get into counselling? Give us the story. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's a long one because I'm quite old, as I've said before. Um, so going into environmental education and understanding that really this is a heart, changing the world <laughs> is the hearts and minds thing, really. Um, so I got more interested in the hearts and minds in order to 
and change, just change in itself. I became particularly interested in change. So I, I then went to work as a community development worker. Always, I've always taught in, uh, I've always taught adults as well. So I have an adult education um, teaching qualification. Um, but I went into community development work and that has helped me, I think, to understand and be able to so support people, to empower them. It's always, in my view, it's always about empowerment and allowing that person to develop to their full potential self, really. And community development was a great way of learning how to do that. Um, and during my community development work, I trained as a mediator and the parenting practitioner. And I think I've probably written the only program, parenting program, which is designed to be delivered totally outdoors. And that's only recently be, been um, trialed, uh, but it has been trialed. Um, so yeah, so I am a parenting practitioner too. So I do really understand the dynamics of families. Um, and I think that's sort of that then brought me into wanting to understand more about change and acceptance. Then during the solution focused, I also worked as a mediator, community mediator for quite a long time. And I've worked in schools. And it basically, yeah, worked in schools for a long time for children, supporting children who were in some way I'm not going to say a beha behavior problems because it wasn't, but of some cause for concern. And that may have been because they were n timid, n shy, not engaging, or it may have been the opposite end of the extreme where they were really acting out and becoming a problem in terms of outward behavior to others. Um, so, yeah, that sort of brought me into more counselling work in terms of the solution-focused therapy um, and then training as a counsellor for children and young people. But really broad background of experience, I suppose, and, and training, which has led me to think that change and acceptance are actually the heart of therapy. If people want to get in touch with you, how should they do that? Um, well, they can get in touch through you. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that would make this interview worthwhile because I've been very nervous about it. <laughs> so it'd be brilliant if people got in touch through you. Um, they can get in touch with me through the BACP. I'm, I'm registered with the BACP. I'm a member. So um, the search for therapist button on the BACP website, you, they'll find me under Sue Bidmead. Um, or you can contact me directly uh, just through my email address, which is suebid at uh, s-u-e-b-i-d at icloud.com. Sue, that was fascinating. Thank you very much for agreeing to come and talk to me on the Helping Hand podcast. Yeah, it's been great, Pauline, and not as nerve-wracking as I thought. So thank you ever so much.
You've been listening to the Helping Hand podcast, connecting families with help and support when they need it. If you want more information or to find a therapist near you, go to helpinghandonline.co.uk.